what it is, you know. Well, here we are for another episode of Ask Mom and Dad. And um, we are going to spend some time. We got a kind of a fun thing today. We're doing it a little bit differently. We have an, I have an official engineer in the house. So we say thank you to Jared for stepping in so we can, so I can ignore. Or professional. Well, I'm not giving him any money. I'm giving him experience. So uh, the intern Jared, we'll call him the intern Jared. And we'll go with that tonight. Interns Interns can bring, I can ask for more coffee in a little bit and he can get it for me. Oh, and then there's the people who loved us enough to give us fancy coffee machine that we're using. Yeah, that so thanks to, to Geo for but super cool. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we may not be able to afford the coffee, but we'll just keep ministering to people. Maybe they'll keep bringing it. And that'll be the thing. Um, we're gonna talk about socialization a little bit today, um, but I wanted to start with this fun little thing that I found on the internet because I was, you know, just wanted to do this. So this is a, a, a sheet of paper that says on it all of the chemicals in your brain. Because I was just curious one day about what what areas of the brain make you feel happy. And one of the problems that I have in this world is that everyone's looking to something to make them happy. And it's a physical thing. You know, I've been doing a confession to make, I've, I've done yoga lately, Tanya, and I've learned terms like downward dog and upward cat and lazy crocodile. Try. Not <laughs> anyway. So I learned uh, dead bug. That was a good one. I don't think that's a yoga term though, but somebody used that term. Anyway, probably, the point of the matter was, I saw is, you laying on the floor we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And, and, you know, so when we see people saying things to me, like, you know, the powers within you to do this, I, I, I start asking that question, what does that really mean? And so I was looking at the, the brain thing, but so I want to make sure that we're healthy before we go to this broadcast. So I'm going to take the world standard of healthy. And I'm going to, I want to stimulate your serotonin levels, your dopamine levels, your endorphin levels, and your oxycotton levels. Nope. So, uh, there's oxycotton has more than one way to do it, and one's nope. radio appropriate. Oxytocin. Oxy oxycotton. <laughs> that's a drug. <laughs> so stupid. Um, I mean, I no, should not self talk. I just diminished. A, so first yeah, off, serotonin there. is your mood stabilizer, and it it helps you to um, to bring up your just general mood. And so practicing meditation, spending time in nature, getting exposure to the sun, or exercising and being active. Have you done any of those four things today? Yes, your, I have. Your so, serotonin is fantastic. So what are we gauging this on? Because remember we said something about satisfaction in Jesus. And stuff. I'm getting so there. I'm just going to make sure that we got our, our all of our... Just bear so with me. So we're going to do both. Both, yeah. Why not? So uh, oh, dopamine levels... Jesus and the world. No, no hang on. Okay. Jesus made That's these, me some Jesus made these things. Jesus made these things. Oh, good so point. This is, yeah. Keep in mind, we, we believe in a physical resurrection, so these physical things are aspects, but... I'm going to answer your question right as we get through this, but dopamine is the reward chemical, which means that you needed to a complete a task, take time for self-care, eat a good meal or celebrate a small win. So I got which, some things done at work that I felt like I was behind on. So that's good. That's and small, actually I'll take got it. kind of wrapped the day up, which hasn't happened all week. It feels like yeah. <laughs> I've had to yeah. overlap days. So the other days, the completing of a task has been a, yeah. a task you that you've not been able to accomplish. So mm-hmm. dopamine's on track. So, so far you got your serotonin and the dopamine down and your endorphin cool. is your painkiller. So I don't know if you're dealing with any pain, but pain apparently is emotional too, because laughing out loud, volunteering um, and giving back, bit. exercising and being active or watching a good movie. Have you done any or all four of those? I didn't get those? to watch a movie today. Dang. No. Oh, geez. But I did exercise. So. Well, we can just leave right now. Let's go watch a movie. Okay, anyway, and then the last one is your not your Oxycontin, but your Oxytocin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> I mean, oxycontin may give all of these go, but physical affection and giving a compliment. So I just wanted to begin this podcast by telling you how much I appreciate you and everything that you do. See, I'm going somewhere with all of this. Oh, right. I wanted to tell you that you are a great worth to me. And the fact that you've not been around this week has been a little taxing because it's the house, the place is a lonely place without you. And it's, it's really taxed a little bit of my, um, my, uh, Oxytocin, just not I have you around to, to you know, your, your give me a little bit. No, 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 there's that physical <laughs> affection. You know, there's a lot of things there. Anyway, I know, uh, I know they they sell that on the street corner. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I really don't. Well, so funny. I, I I tie this in because I wanted to start out with this because I think it comes into our topic a little bit today because all of these things um, require interaction between human beings. Um, there, there's there's very few of these things that somehow don't have a relational component. And one of the questions that we've been asked a couple of different times is the question of socialization and what is or is not, how that is or is not important, especially as it relates to homeschooling. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. We've been asked that question, so I wanted to uh, address it because it's legitimately something that homeschoolers are kind of, it's like put on them. Bombarded. Let's back up one second, though. I'm gonna I'm going to boost your oxytocin levels (laughs) by telling you that... You have been really good about being faithful to your exercise. So look, ex- serotonin and endorphins are both boosted by exercise. They're, both of those are in those categories. That's why I was singing. There See, you go. No. I'm sing- I got up this You're look. singing because you'd like to sing. I did legs and gut. What's the word for gut? <laughs> Core today. <laughs> I got, I've always been doing gut. That's my problem. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. so thank you. I, I appreciate that. that definitely, <laughs> I feel so much better now. Um, so well, anyway, the socialization the, thing, yeah, yeah I, there's, there's quite a bit to be said about what we think kids need. And I think it's funny that you started with this because we think if we actually, if people had, uh, think if they would apply some of the thinking like this, um, chart to children, they would realize that some of these things are going to be, um, involved in. A natural learning process is where I'm trying to go with this is there's a lot of different learning styles. There's a, a million different types of, of ways to even homeschool. One of the ones that was really exciting to me to watch from a distance, I did not have the freedom or feel the, uh, I guess it would be the liberty, whatever, to do it that way. But because I always doubted myself, but is to just let children learn as you're doing with them, as you're as you're doing life. And when someone asked me about socialization, I thought the bottom line to socialization for children is that they need to learn how to do life. They need to do life with adults. The The theory is that they need to be around kids their own age because they won't know how to. I'm not exactly honestly sure because it's never made any sense to me what, what they think they're going to get from a peer that's exactly their age. They're no, not going no. to learn <laughs> anything that's going to help them. They might interact better. And so if we're talking about how to get along, such as I've been talking about our our preschool grandkid boys trying to learn how to toggle back and forth with toys, understand that somebody's you know, going to play with one and it's going to be your turn or whatever, those kinds of things. But so maybe that's what they're saying. But when you get up to school age kids, first of all, that kind of thing should have already been learned. So as a toddler interacting with their own siblings or maybe at um, a church atmosphere or an atmosphere where you've got any kids at all, but there are adults around, then you're guiding these children. You're teaching them 
this is how you interact with another child or whatever. But if you're talking about, because the the way that um, it was always thrown at us or as home at homeschoolers, it felt like when I was homeschooling was um, you're not, you don't have them out in the, their peer group. So how can they, uh, I, I don't know, how can they learn to interact with other kids their age? All I can think is, isn't that pretty natural to a kid? And isn't it, what you actually want to teach them is more the appropriate way to behave, not shoving them in with 20 or, you know, 30 kids with one teacher. I used to hear the example, what are they going to learn? 30, 30 to one in a classroom. Who are they going to learn from? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. So if you throw a kid into a room with a bunch of fools, you're going to wind up socializing fools with fools. Exactly. Uh, And and that's interesting. I did um, the exact amount of research that I did most of the time in college, which was the first four or five pages of an article um, (laughs) out of a 120 page article. Okay. But, um, the, uh, not really, this was only about 16 pages, but it was a, it was a study done in 2000. So it's a little bit older, but um, a couple of things that I've processed for us, you and I, I I've, I've seen as I was looking through kind of YouTube and stuff today, I was saying there are videos out there with socialization questions and a lot of young moms talking about it. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's funny because these young moms that are talking about it today did not go through what you and I went through 30 years ago when we did our first child. Well, they you didn't. had your what first you child. We didn't start educating him until about 25 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. When, when what do you, you mean they didn't go? Well, they, they, they didn't go through what it was to not have... Um, the, there's a friendliness to homeschooling today that didn't exist 30 years ago. Um, oh. I just want to call it right now. We're yeah. pioneers. Or the, wow. I guess we're re-pioneers um, in the sense that we, uh, we wound up having to fight some battles that aren't as difficult today. Uh, I think COVID has been interesting because now everyone homeschooled for almost a year, it seems like, or a lot of people did. And now the big cry is, they got to go back to school so they can be socialized. Um, well, not really. I, I think, let me read to you this No, definition. that's not been the cry I've heard. I think that might be true. They've actually missed their social interactions, which is uh, sad a little bit to me. That that's the only that's, thing my son has said he's Because that's the only place they've actually had social interaction, which breaks my heart. But anyway, me, but in reality, the this. cry has been they haven't gotten an education. Well, that's wrong. That's that's, that's really not true at all. But Well, here's the thing. And th- that's the funny thing because, okay, I'll get to my definition because now I want to say something because you just cued it up. Really, oh, like, sorry. Was, I've always thought it was funny that people were always going on about, well, what if they don't get socialized? I'm going, seriously, of all the things that you're concerned about, can they play nice? <laughs> yeah. And get along with one another? Right. Because... You're not worried that they won't learn math and English and stuff like that. That you know, you'd think that'd be everybody's biggest concern, but they don't. They know that you can teach them math and English, so they have to come up with some mysterious thing like they won't yeah, know that was how what, to relate. What was accused of back in the day? Yeah. So this position. article, this this um, article out of Stanford, Stetson, excuse me, University, said that there's a couple of different definitions of socialization. It says different people mean different things when they use the word socialization, sure. which is fair. Yeah. I mean, um, so social activity being one of them, meaning what you referenced. Um, meaning children have a chance to play with friends and participate in traditional extracurricular activities, sports, band, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Social influence, um, teaching them to conform to the norms of society. And then um, social exposure, helping them to learn culture and groups and stuff like that. And values. And values, right exactly. There. That's exactly So here's the definition the that problem. a guy named Durkin <laughs> wrote back in 1995 after we'd been social, uh, t- training our kids for we're getting started. <laughs> the, uh, socialization is defined as the process whereby people acquire the rules of behavior and systems of beliefs and attitudes that equip a person to function effectively 
as a member of a particular society. So what do you think of that definition? I thought you'd like that. <laughs> yeah. So let me uh, break that down and tear it apart. The pro- <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a definition. It's just like this is what it is. Sure. Um, I'm going to read it one more time. The process whereby people acquire the rules of behavior and systems of beliefs and attitudes that equip a person to function effectively as a member of a particular society. So the question is, where should that happen? Exactly. Well, and there's a couple different angles on this. So you've got the process that they acquire rules of behavior. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's that's one thing. Literally just teaching... um, you know, how do you, like you just said, how do we get along? Right. But then syst- rules of behavior and system of beliefs, that's a whole nother category. To me, those cannot be really pulled together. So we've got rules of behavior, which we would call... Um, do what you're told uh, con- when you're younger, yeah, or knowing being... when you should do something one way or another, or when, when should you talk? Yeah, or, okay, so, and that brings up a whole different things too, because there's different, there's different um, atmospheres, different settings so in a classroom setting that where there are 30 kids and one teacher that child needs to sit and to listen quietly they need to you know things old-fashioned true obedience type things but are they actually taught that in school today are they taught respect and honoring of uh, adults or authority in their lives you know those kinds of things so i would take that apart and say it's an interesting thought that in a school system or a, or a classroom setting like that, that they think they're going to accomplish these things. But, okay, so that's one angle. They might be able to teach a little bit of behavior, but I would venture to guess most of their behavior has going to already have been taught them. Like I just said about the preschoolers, we're teaching, you know, <laughs> three sure. and two and even one-year-olds how mm-hmm. to get along because by the time they're throwing fits when they're less than six months old you know they have a a will they have an absolute um rebellious spirit already and they don't want to do what a parent wants them to do even as early i remember one of our grandkids as early as three months i could see on that child's face a defiance and and her scream was not just i'd like something to eat or i have a dirty diaper it was defiance and i knew it and at three months old so what I would say, first of all, is parents start to socialize when that baby is born. They start to socialize. Yeah, they children. learn to smile by watching you smile. And they, exactly. And they start to teach who's in charge. They start to either they let the baby rule the roost or they take charge and, mm-hmm. you know, teach that child to come under the authority of the parents. And, yes, you give and take all, the, all along. You learn to communicate with this child. Sometimes they communicate easier than others. Sometimes you just have to let them know what the rules are and they're going to abide by them. But you teach them very early and, and as you're, as they're growing, they're going to learn different types of these rules of behavior and systems of beliefs. But the problem is if you're going to put them into a group, no matter how big the group is, actually, if you are giving over that education, and in this sense, we're talking about the social part of, because it's all education, it's all teaching them. If you're giving them over to this group, um, then you're going to question why they come home with different beliefs and different attitudes, different whatever, whoever it is. So I was even thinking, you know, in our um, one of our early uh, um, places we lived, there's a great neighborhood in Phoenix. I mean, these you know houses were kind of cookie cutter, and you you knew 
some of your neighbors, not all your neighbors, whatever, but you felt fairly comfortable to send your kids kind of playing in the area, in the neighborhood. And I remember still questioning even just the hour they were outside with who were they with, what were they doing, you know, what what places. And we know even from having homeschooled, meaning that the majority of their day was spent with us, with me, with their siblings, learning and, you know, whatever. But the times that they went out and played with other kids, the times that they interacted them, we've heard now very many experiences that went on even in those times, whatever. So if you think that the rest of that day, put, you know, putting them into a, and I keep referring to a classroom setting because I'm thinking most people, at least the way I grew up, think of public school as you send them, they have one teacher, they, you know, interact, maybe even at middle school, they start changing teachers, but they're still kind of on their own in this big group of pe- kids. They've made a few friends, they, they're interacting maybe some more, but the majority of their influence is not coming from that teacher. No. The majority of their influence is not coming from the mm. principal of that school or even from the ideals of what that school might stand for. Their principal influence is going to be those kids they're around. Those kids who might, the, as you've already indicated, have been socialized. Exactly. By their, their, by their The first place mm. of socialization happens at home, mm. even in, you Absolutely. know, even when people are saying, well, which is kind of sad because, and then the second thing that happens is parents surrender socialization. And I, and I think it's surrender because I think the question is, you know, who is responsible for um, socializing the child? If you right. take this definition, you know, is we're trying to teach kids to be, I'm going to say it simply and how you and I addressed it. We want them to grow up to be functioning adults. I think that's the simplest thing. And when I say functioning adults, I mean that they know how to consider. And for us, um, and I think what should be in the culture we live in today where there's no forgiveness, where there's, where there's a demand that you agree with everything that I am or you can't function in society, where you literally have to hold beliefs that are contrary to one another depending on who you are. There's, it's just there's not a cultural norm that's healthy. By any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination, our culture is corroded. <laughs> and so the first place that a child... Um, and so what's going to happen in that culture is if a child goes out into that culture and that's what socializes them, then they're going to sooner or later, they're going to run into a conflict or, or the term for it is a cognitive dissonance that just begins to tear at them. And you wonder why we're having in our culture right now such issues of depression and confusion yeah, exactly. because they don't, they're, they're trying to keep everybody happy and nobody keeps everybody happy. So what we want to start with is, is at home, a child's first imprint of identity of who they are and how they differentiate in this world comes from their mother and father. And, and I really want to say this at the core of my belief in being the intention of a unit of parenting is a mother and father. A child needs to have a hard side and a soft side, uh, a sense of um, understanding how to uh, relate with the world from a, a masculine and a feminine point of view. And, and traditionally, masculine and feminine has been softer and harder in that sense. So softer mm-hmm. in the sense that a woman is sensitive and, and not soft as in weak, but soft as in aware of everything around and knowing how to interact in such a way that is considerate of others, whereas a harder side is knowing what's necessary to be able to know when to say no and to push forward and to have an attitude that says, this is what I am and to move forward. But to be able to do both of those things and dance that dance requires something they can trust, Mm -hmm. something that is reliable. And the first place they get that is from their parents. So not that you can't parent solo, but it's 
it's design, the design course of how we function as human beings is we relate in those, in those two realms. And so if a parent's on their own, I've always instructed, you know, said, find a mentor, find someone to fill a gap. Yeah. Uh, Craig, uh, my roommate Craig in college and I wound up spending a lot of time with a woman and her two boys after she lost her husband in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And we were in her, and she said as much to us, she said, you are a male role model. That is what I want for my boys in our house. She was much older than us. It wasn't going to be a dating relationship or anything like that. It was just a woman who had gone back to school after losing her husband and needed um, and wanted to have it. And the exchange was great. We got to do our laundry. So it (laughs) it worked out. (laughs) A couple different thoughts I had on that is, first of all, Virginia, her name was Virginia, she really appreciated and understood the meaning of the body of believers, too. So we believe in the kingdom of God, um, and as Jesus gave us the church, it, we are to fill those gaps. We're to to help step in when those things have been um, less than perfect, I guess, or whatever the situations are. And Virginia trusted that, so she knew that you guys helping out and, and seeing you as, um, first of all, you uh, had started out at least as a um, ministry Jeez. guy or, you know, some... I was going to be a rock star. When I started, I oh, was going to be were... a rock star. Oh, okay. Maybe I was wrong about that. Well, anyway. <laughs> soft rock she... star. Well, where did you meet Yacht rock. her, though? Yeah. Um, I met her at college. I, I was second year. Was... I, I was first year at Mercer, and I had transferred on a music was... degree from a junior college. Okay. She was going to school, though? Yes. That's she what started going to, say, to school. So. I met her in class. Okay. Yes, correct. Well, anyway, all she I'm trying to say is leg. I think she saw you guys some... Um, some you know character that she thought would be good for her boys. She also knew that just the interaction of male figures who were trying to um, be good influence, which in in the society or the area culture you grew up, that was important. Kind of that wasn't that was actually an honor. But what I was going to say was, we also read a book called Two Sides of Love, and it made me think of that when you said that because it's not always the man or the woman who gives the the hard side or the soft side, but it's definitely most all the time balanced. There's one of each, you know, who gives either one is a more disciplinarian, one's more grace oriented. Um, you know, that would be the opposite sides, or maybe one is um, more apt to see the full picture, whereas another one's going to take some concrete. Now these are the, you know, these are absolutes and the rules. So there's a there's so many different angles. So you need other. Um, input like that, yeah. Well, it, but like you're saying, God gave us that balance, and and I believe in marriage. Almost always, will provide that if we can trust each other, and if we can allow um, uh, allow the person strengths to come through in parenting as well as in everything else. But well, it goes to the point of socialization as well. Um, the whole idea. It's funny to me that you'll have a group of people that say, I want to send my kid to school where they can be socialized. And I don't know if they're just thinking that they need to be around other kids. That's what not. I think they mean. And that, that seems to up. be more often the case rather than how do I, my, I raise children that function in society? Because here's the thing. Okay. Wait, wait I want to get my thought before okay. I lose it. The, the, they're on, the same, on the same genre, we have a society, a culture that we want to socialize our children to that says you don't need a soft and a hard side. You can raise that child on your own. You don't need anyone to help you with that. You, the, the, the press of the American cultural society, at least, is you don't need anybody. And that's the antithesis of what we mm-hmm. know to be true. Instinctively, as human beings, we're pack animals. We can't survive. If you put one human being into a pen with a lion and one gun, he has one shot that he might be able to survive that lion. But if you put 50 human beings in a cage with a lion, the lion doesn't stand a chance. You need... 
we, we function best as a group. Our, our strongest skill is our ability to collaborate and, and, and complement one another. And so the same thing is true with our children, that, that we need to understand that we can't do anything in life alone, especially raise a child. A lion is not dangerous. A child is flat out scary. <laughs> and it's just not easy well, to raise okay. one, much less seven, which so, we somehow manage yeah, to Yeah, so there's a couple different angles on this. Yes, the child does need some interaction with other children. That's, that's just, they just want friends. So that's one angle. But I think what you're saying is the adults actually need some interaction with other yeah, we adults. We need socialization as well, sure. Well, no, I, I don't mean that. I mean support. But well, yeah, I mean, in the sense in that, that sense. the parents have been entrusted with the responsibility of raising these children. So, so for the parents to figure out what that child needs, one thing is they need friends. But they need friends that you, I believe, as the parent, have decided are are the right friends in the right setting. For instance, for our family, um, number one, the reason we decided to homeschool is we wanted to have more influence than than other outside sources, such as you and I in the ministry meant we were going to be with a lot of other people a lot of times and taxing our uh, our own time frames so that hours of just the middle of the day to send them to someone else to spend time with was going to take away the time that we would have influence over them. Yeah. So that's, you know, the first There part wouldn't of have been a consistency either, either because of the shift in some, with, we moved in a couple of ministries in our lives. And so but having a homeschool environment allowed for a stable yeah, environment as we moved, as we so, moved yeah. too. Well, so, so what I'm trying to say is, so the one angle on that is you, um, you take that responsibility on as this is my job. So that means every area of their life you're supervising. You're making good decisions for them. You're you're trying your best. You're you're not and I'm not talking about some sort of uh reclusive type of, you know, hover them in the corner, never let them out type thing. That's not what I mean. I mean as a guidepost. I've been entrusted by God to guide these children into what is wisdom for them or what is, you know, the best I can help them make wise decisions. So one of those is friends. Well, to throw them in a pool of 30 kids at a classroom, I'm not there to help them kind of evaluate. Well, that's that you know seemed mean. I don't you want to be nice to them even though they're being mean to you, but maybe stick with this one over here who's going to be nice, you know, I don't know. All that kind of thing interacts and and they get confronted at such early ages with ridiculous things that they haven't been equipped to make decisions about. Right. We see that in the school systems right now, just even recently in our own state and how crazy they're trying to pass these laws that these children are to be taught early ages, um, all types of sexuality things, all, all types of, there's no way that child is equipped, equipped at those young ages to make those type of wisdom decisions. And I don't want to give that to someone else. Right. Then this... I want to understand that God has given me that responsibility to teach them, not to turn that over to someone else. Right. In the Stetson survey, it, it made the um, reference that school has been made responsible for an expanding range of socializing activities previously that were considered proper roles of other social institutions. And I thought that was interesting because I put other question mark in such as church, um, right. And then what you just referenced is, is that we need to understand that we don't need to, um, in church and family, and mm -hmm. what we need to understand is that we don't surrender. Uh, sending a child to school is one thing, but we don't surrender our responsibility to shape the moral values of that child to 
the culture. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's the exactly. thing that right now the culture is shaping the school system. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, you just then referenced you just referenced here in Washington <laughs> one of the laws that's pushing uh, what you and I truly believe is aberrant sexual activity all the way down to um, pre-K and, and, and kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Just they shouldn't even they don't even know what it is yet. You're asking kids to think about things and issues that are well beyond yeah, their horrible. abstract their, and what blows me away is we're talking about educators here and my background is education and I'm, I'm uh, religious education but you got to learn all the same stuff yeah mm-hmm. and you know they ha- they haven't formed in their abstract cognitive centers enough to really think in, in what to them because they're pre 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 pubescent mm-hmm. they're abstract that that the, any of that sexuality is not even Absolutely. real to them yet other than mom looks different than dad mm-hmm. Sometimes in this world, <laughs> yeah. um, so it's it's a thing to, to consider, and I, I think you know the critics in this study. I thought this was interesting too. The critics uh, were believed overwhelmingly in um, 2000 that the, the they filmed school they uh, they surveyed school superintendents that parents just wanted to hide their children from from functioning society, and um, they would say that they don't want to any influence other than their parents and their child's lives. And well. <laughs> believe communities at large are evil and want to ensure their children's ignorance. Interesting. Um, and, and I think that's fascinating. Now, the homeschooling, he says, homeschooling parents just disagree on that at every point. Yeah. And uh, because that's, it's not a matter, and I want to be real clear on this, it's not a matter that you and I wanted to not involve our children in societies and communities. No, we have the authority given to us by parenting those children as to which communities yeah. that we would expose them to. Exactly. And the family unit well, is the first community, but then we, out from that, we choose what school, school mm-hmm. choice. Let's just, I mean, government can come up with that if it wants to, but the bottom line is if as it poor as choice. you can be, mm-hmm. if you're poor and you don't have a choice, but a public school, you still have the choice to school them at home. Yeah. You can still make a decision is it, in your poverty legal. to still do it. It's still legal to do that. And I want to just, you know, say the this too, that, you know, people are like some, the other statement is some people aren't qualified for homeschooling or they shouldn't school at home. Yeah, it's not for everyone in the sense, that's what they say, it's not for everyone. You're first and foremost, you're the first teacher your child will ever have. I was going to say, I think that's a misnomer because I believe... Every parent should see themselves as that child's teacher. Now, yes, there are some academic things that maybe that parent doesn't feel confident at. That's fine. There are so many resources out there that you can come up with or find, especially these days, that would that would equip you. Or what I was going to say was the bottom line to the wherever you put your child is, I want to put my child where I can be with them, where I can mm-hmm. see what's going on, where I can... Um, interact and teach them while they're interacting with other kids, with um, other adults, with whoever it might be. So same in this frame of reference. If you're going to be teaching them some particular subject matter, we'll find another adult who can teach them that or or put them in. um, Nowadays, we have so many resources online and whatever. So that's not even really a question anymore. I feel for these parents, mostly, I guess, who have all of a sudden been, quote, you know, homeschooling because of the uh, COVID crisis and all that. And don't, they don't understand um, what pieces of it are their responsibility and what pieces of it they can really, to me, not even worry about. I would venture to say most children and kids, if they have the right books in their hands, they're going to learn plenty 
to prepare them for literally even just a, a beginning college class almost. Let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, but first, what I want to do is I want to um, tell the audience real quick that we're going to um, continue this conversation on the other side for next week. Um, you and I are going to just sit here and continue to talk so that we won't break our to flow, our stream of consciousness, hold. Um, <laughs> our stream of unconsciousness. And um, But I want to talk about that. What, what do you do to homeschool a little bit? And socialization, I think we're going to continue to just kind of weave that in the fabric of this conversation. Okay. But um, I want to uh, just Sounds thank the people for listening this week and um, continue. We'll pick it up next week, probably midweek. I'll drop the, the second half of this and we'll go from there. So thanks again for listening to um, our podcast on what about socialization <laughs> and not socialism, just to be clear, socialization. That's a different podcast for a different day. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>